Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. What's up, Hells fans? Welcome to another episode of Bird Call. Bird Call is a podcast dedicated to SB Nation's TheBirdRights.com, managed by our overlord, Ali Cassell. What's up, Ali? Speaking of which, head over there when you get a chance and check out all the newest rumors, news, and analysis on our boys, including an article by Ali Cassell that was posted just earlier today. But today, we are bringing on our old friend and knucklehead Travis Tate. Let's get to it. And now we bring on fellow bird rights blogger, Travis Tate. What's up, Double T? Hey, Preston. Thanks for having me again. Uh, I hope the uh, fans don't get sick of me after these two appearances. Let us know. Tweet at us. (laughs) Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time. But the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. I'm sick of myself. I've been dealing with this for 30 plus years. So I know you guys can follow Travis at T-R-A-B-E-T-A. Again, explain to them where that came from. Yeah, so I know. I feel like I'm gonna have, I might have to do this every time. So it's a, uh, And I thought of another reason, <laughs> like a potential reason of where this came from. So originally it's like Travis Benjamin Tate, like my name. So it's the first couple letters approximately of every name, of, of all three of my names. But then I thought, well, I work in technology kind of now. And so it could sort of be like, tra beta like beta like old betamax i don't know cassettes or whatever but that's old technology so i I don't know yeah that travis benjamin thing is too too rational let's not try to qualify it i like it as is tra beta now i'm glad you're here travis because i was actually doing a a season review of solomon hill and his performances on this podcast and i came across your article who would have thought 
recapping his once-in-a-lifetime performance against the Rockets in March. He finished with 30 points on 8 of 13 from the field, 6 of 9 from 3, and a career-best 7 assists with 6 rebounds and 2 steals. Sounds pretty good, right? What do you remember from the game other than watching Solo evolve into Larry Bird right before our eyes? So that game, now that I'm I, – I, I pulled up my story from – from uh, the bird rights when I did the game recap for that game. And I remember this was around the time when I got really obsessed with the uh, white guy blinking gif uh, <laughs> in which you just see a guy blinking, like sort of shocked at whatever it is that he's seeing, because that's the way I felt that entire game. Not only with Solomon Hill, who had 30 points, and he made a ton of threes and, and, you know, just was ridiculous that game in terms of his scoring, but, I see on here in my story that Alexis Agenza made a one-legged and one jumper, and that just sort of typified how that game went. Plus, this was a game when when a Boogie didn't play due to injury. But um, my takeaway from that game, kind of, I guess, corresponds a lot with how I felt about Solomon Hill generally. And sort of my thing with him all of last year was that I really liked it when he became almost – so aggressive to the point where it got a little bit dangerous. So for instance, I really liked it when I saw him say, grab a rebound, grab a defensive rebound, and then scoot down the floor super quick, kind of unexpectedly. Like the other team isn't thinking, oh, well, he's a one-man fast break like LeBron James or, or Russell Westbrook or something. He's Solomon Hill. But he would go down there and do that occasionally. And I thought every time when I saw him grab a rebound and go. I just loved it. And and a lot of times good things would happen. Maybe he'd get fouled. Maybe he'd get down there and make a simple pass to somebody. Um, but it seemed like to me that they were able to generate good offense out of him being super, super aggressive to the point of it being, you know, almost sort of a bad thing for the Pelicans. Yeah, uh, that that brings to mind, first of all, the GIF. It always reminds me of Tate Donovan, uh, if, in case you guys don't know him, from Love yeah. Potion number nine. Uh, he's He's got that blonde curl, and he's kind of looking very confusedly. He does a wink, and he does a head shake, like, uh, should yeah. I believe what I've just seen? And uh, yeah. I, really, I really like that you uh, you quoted Solo as uh, living dangerously. I, I'm picturing, like, Solo headlining <laughs> Fast and Furious Part 9 and Pelican's oh, fan no. in the background, just in absolute horror and not sure where the car is going to land. And then Alexis Agensa, who would have thought with his, his Dirk Nowitzki-like fadeaway, you, you have to wonder how we're having such trouble unloading his contract. But um, Yeah, right. We definitely, he, needs more, uh, he needs more garbage time out there so we can make everybody think that he's a uh, an $8 million a year player. I know. And I want to bring up that these these two uh, important performances, not only that Solomon Hill had, but also Alexis Agenza had against the Nuggets when we ran away from them, were in games that DeMarcus Cousins wasn't actually on the floor. He was pulled for, I don't remember if it was technical foul or injury. Anyway, we'll, we'll get on that later. This This podcast is going to be centered around Solomon Hill living dangerously like he does. And uh, to dive a bit further, local bloggers like you and myself, as well as some national experts, have been judging the Pelicans on the the pending chemistry between Boogie AD and, to a lesser extent, Rondo and Drew Holiday. However, Solo is is a guy for the Pelicans who who might be more important than than everybody else, based on all the intangible things that he's going to have to bring. He he put up nine points per game on uh, all but 38% from the field, 35% from three, as well as five rebounds and two assists. So he's pretty much generating 
nothing else besides defense. He had a positive minus rating of zero. We'll get into his attributes as well as his shortcomings soon. But first, Travis, just just give us an overall recap of your impression of Solomon Hill squarely based on his performance in the 2016-17 Pelican season. Well, you know, it's so much easier to... Uh, judge a player based on what you see with counting stats and stuff. I, I think we're still at the point, um, and somebody tweeted this, and I, I, I couldn't even tell you who it was right now, but I read a story uh, from Twitter.com the other day, basically that was kind of outlining how defensive counting stats and even advanced stats, like maybe the real real box plus minus and defensive real plus minus and all the, all the other um, advanced stats, still don't really do a great job of kind of describing a player's value on defense. And so I'm not sure any on him. And, and even when you watch him, um, it's not like a shocking thing to see. Like when you see uh, Kawhi Leonard, just take the ball from somebody or, you know, when you see Draymond uh, swipe down on somebody who's going up for a layup, you have a good feeling or you have a feeling that he has a good chance of, of uh, knocking the ball away. Rondo used to be like that in his days in Boston. Um, you know, you see any number of, of really valuable uh, and versatile big guys who are able to switch out um, and, and defend point guards and two guards um, really well, while other guys uh, just can't hack it. Uh, probably the best example of that would be from this past year's playoffs when uh, the camera zoomed in on, Oklahoma City Thunder coach Billy Donovan and he said Cantor can't play um, when uh, I think it was Harden did a couple moves and got around Enos Cantor with no problem at all um, so Solomon uh, in terms of his defense I've never seen anything that really jumps out at me but maybe that's because he's just kind of a solid guy and he generally knows where to be um, you got to hope that maybe he can find some more passing lanes and stuff you'd hope that if maybe the both the guards can really pressure their men and you know that you've got Davis in the middle ready to block some shots and stuff that maybe he can sort of, I don't know, sneak around gorilla style, uh, you know, like we're in the, in the jungles of Vietnam and kind of sneak up and, and get a steal every once in a while and get, and get out to a, uh, get out for a dunk or a layup or something. Um, and then offensively, he was just, I thought just really super, um inconsistent and they kind of never went to him as a creator or as a shot maker uh he might get he might get the ball in the corner off of a swing swing from a double team uh but Jen out there offensively and so that was my thing I wanted to see him rebound more and kind of create his own offense uh early in the early in the shot clock so I hope that happens Thank you. You set me up for my next question perfectly. Uh, before I get to that, I just want to briefly uh, touch upon when you said g- gorilla-like sneak around, I-, I wasn't spelling it in my brain, G-U-E-R. I was thinking oh, yeah. of a full-blown silverback gorilla, like no. climbing from behind no. stuff. And then no, no, and no. Gorilla, gorilla warfare. I want him to be like you know, <laughs> wearing camouflage. I need him to kind of be hiding behind Anthony Davis and, and DeMarcus Cousins and then and then, bam, you know, someone thinks that they're able to get to the hole and he or something. 
Yeah, that was that definitely tickled me while I was listening, just laughing <laughs> to myself. But you know, we've we've gotten our own season-ending assessment from Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry to Solo's inaugural campaign in NOLA. And just to briefly touch upon what they said, Demp said. Uh, a lot of the same things that you just said, Travis. He said, I thought Solomon did a really good job of defending the best wing for opposing teams. Sometimes when an offensive player doesn't get a shot, there's no stat for that. He did a good job uh, for the most part. Offensively, it took him a while to find his rhythm. I think that happens a lot when guys go to a different team. He was one of the guys who struggled when DeMarcus arrived. But then as the season moved on, he started to figure out his role and his spots and play better. And Gentry continued, we felt like he was the guy that could guard that perimeter player we struggled with so much to stop in 2015-16. He had a run where he guarded Paul George and did a great job on him. Kevin Durant, guys like that. I think he did as good a job as anyone else guarding them did. Now, we criticize Solomon Hill for not putting up, you know, flashy statistics, for not shooting well. But but when you hear from Alvin Gentry – and when you hear from uh, from Dell Demps, it appears that that's not what they're interested in from him. Obviously, they want him to play a little bit better offensively, but his primary occupation for the Pelicans is playing shutdown defense. And it appears there's a divide between their opinion and some of our friends in New Orleans and even some national media types who have claimed Solomon Hill can't defend at all. Travis, the Pels improved from 28th overall in 2015-16 to, to 9th on defense last season. Settle the score for us once and for all. How much of this 19-team improvement can we attribute to Solomon Hill? Man, that's uh, sheesh. That's that's pretty tough to answer because you obviously don't want to pin it all on him. Like Solomon Hill is the world's greatest defender, and he single-handedly <laughs> made the Pelicans this better defensive team. And additionally, you know, I I am skeptical of that ranking even uh i'm a little more down on what i saw out of them defensively and so i i don't even know that the ninth ranking fully uh encapsulates how not great they were just all year i mean obviously you can just look at how many points they gave up and that's pretty easy to determine but you know there's there's a difference between playing defense in games when um your season is over for which it was for seemingly half the year after you lost, like what were they? What what was the start to the year about one and eleven or something? Um, uh, one and, and twelve, something like that. Yeah. I think we started zero and eight. Yeah, and so I mean, what I'd like to see is better defense. And I talked about this last time I was on with you. They need to produce in every aspect right away for the first twenty or thirty games, and then I'll believe. Then I'll believe that Solomon Hill has the ability to become this wing quote unquote shutdown guy uh, who they can stick on, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and LeBron and all the rest. Um, But uh, in terms of his value uh, last year, I mean, that tells me a lot that the coaches say that they're the ones who are watching all the film. And I don't think that they would necessarily want to build up somebody just to do it. Um, Alvin Gentry doesn't seem like a BSer like that to me. I don't know if we can curse on this podcast. I don't know. I've got to read it as PG, so let's steer clear if you can. Jamal will say what he wants, but Travis Tate, you're on your behavior. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I I don't think that he would say anything that he didn't really believe, hopefully, uh, in terms of what he sees from a player's production. Um, And so, you know, if they say that he was the best uh, defender that they had, then then that's easy to believe that again, like I said, they're the ones watching all the film. They're the ones who are going over all the scouting reports. They're the ones who are 
you know, creating the defensive uh, shell that they sort of work from. And, you know, that tells me um, that he's got value to them. Yeah. Yeah. Nicely said. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, we, we love to criticize what Alvin Gentry and Darren Ehrman say, but you know, it's their job. They get paid a lot of money. So I, I hope that they're right in what they say based on his defense uh, with now with the additions of Ian Clark and Rajon Rondo, our, our roster is pretty squarely pegged at 14. There's not a lot of wiggle room unless we dump some salary somewhere. And as it stands right now, we have the unproven Euro man, Darius Miller, um, and the castaway Quincy Pondexter, who we haven't seen on the basketball court in two years at small forward and some combination of uh, Czech Diallo and Alexis Agenza at center. We don't even need to touch upon Ashik because he's still suffering from the after effects of the illness that he got back in February. So we wish him a speedy recovery. But at this point, we, we can't bank on him seeing any uh, floor time, even if they wanted him to see floor time. Now, Travis, it appears to me at this moment that we might be seeing a great deal of Solomon Hill uh, at the four this season. And Chris Finch, in an interview on 1280 with uh, Chris Gordy, preached positionless basketball. But somebody's going to have to chase the the bigger wings on the floor and rebound. Solomon Hill played 11% at the four last season. Is is he going to be the guy to do it? It's a great question. Um, I, I am also sort of, the, I guess, a believer in the positionless basketball. And, and you see so many teams, I mean, basically every team just switches on every single possession, almost every single interaction of offensive player and defensive player. So even if you start him on, let's say, so I, I, I'm also kind of an Oklahoma city thunder fan a little bit. So I, I sort of am aware of what they have going on. And I'm thinking, you know, if he's the one to be guarding Patrick Patterson, um, I think he's fine doing something like that because somebody like Patrick Patterson is pretty much, he gets most of his value on his offensive game from making threes. Um, and so I would think that Solomon Hill would be able to stick around with him on the perimeter. If you're talking about maybe a four who likes to bang a little bit more, um, that might be a little more difficult, obviously, because Solomon Hill, even as stout as he is, and I think he's got pretty long arms and everything, it, it does seem like he can get swallowed up a little bit. Um, but at the same time, again, you know, the – and I guess it is possible that he will get that Solomon Hill will get a lot of minutes at the four, sort of depending on whether or not they're able to bring back Dante Cunningham. But again, most likely their strongest lineup is going to be with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins out there. So, you know, we're talking about a situation where that 11% number that you mentioned, I mean, maybe he comes in at a little bit more than that just because they're relatively, um, you know, they're just kind of weak at the wing, as most teams are. Um, but if Darius Miller can give him, a, can give him some legit three-point shooting off the bench, maybe that means that Solomon Hill won't have to rotate up to the four um, because they'll be able to give Miller some more minutes and he'll sort of play a, a combined three-four. And then in your podcast, I believe, with Mason Ginsburg, maybe, was you guys talking about the fact that, they, that the Pelicans might play more three-guard lineups which I think is super interesting. Um, and then you can slide in. Hill, I guess Hill would still be the four at that point, though. So now I'm talking myself into circle, talking myself into a circle. But um, I, I don't particularly like him at the four. But again, you know, to me, it's going to be much more about what Davis and Cousins do together than the time that Hill spends at the four. 
Yeah, we're also talking traditional NBA positions, one, two, yeah. three, four, five. Obviously, the NBA is evolving. We're seeing fewer and fewer slow-footed big men. We're seeing a lot more Draymond Green types, athletic guys who can run up and down the, uh, the floor and shoot three-pointers. Uh, the one drawback that uh, Ryan Schwan mentioned today is Solomon Hill can't rebound, and it's a, yeah. it's a fair point. He's not an yeah. active rebounder. That's also not his... Uh, that's not his primary occupation. His primary occupation is is to watch the other team's best wing scorer. Uh, with with that being said, you know, the Pelicans just added Rajon Rondo, who is a great rebounder uh, yeah. at the guard position. So that might be a way to cancel each other out, regardless of whether he plays the three or the four. If Czech Diallo should come in and play 20 minutes a game and Alexis Agensa comes in and plays uh, 10 minutes a game, there's there's still going to be a lot of minutes that need to be played at those two positions. Solomon Hill only averaged 30 minutes per game last year, and he was very dependable. He played in 80 of the 82 games, and I'm sure those other two games probably uh, was just rested. But there there's going to be at least 18 minutes per game that need to be filled by some combination of Darius Miller and Quincy Pondexter. And we talked about that uh, before, but I want to get your take again. Quincy Pondexter has been saying all the right things. He's been showing us his workout videos. He's been draining three-pointers at the practice facility. Uh, Darius Miller has improved in his time to Europe, shot 41% overseas, won some titles, scoring 11 points per game. They just need him to play reliable defense and shoot uh, with the second lineup. Which of these guys are you banking on being uh, a contributor right now they're both question marks or do you think maybe that person isn't on the roster right now yeah I mean I would definitely not be banking on either one of them but I would guess and and I talked about this the last time I came on came on the pod is I I do think that they are really confident and that they're really high on Darius Miller um, just because of the money that they gave him and the fact that it's this deal where they can uh they can give him kind of a limited role because they really only need guys that are able to do very specific things since, uh, you know, the ball is going to be going through Drew and Rondo and then the two big guys. Um, he just has to have a very specific set of things and whether that's, you know, setting off the ball screens for, you know, a flare for Drew to make a three over on the wing, or if he's going to be, um, you know, I, I would doubt that he'd be handling the ball much at all. I don't even know if he can handle the ball. Maybe we need to ask some of our European basketball fans if they watched uh, Darius Miller at all the last couple of years to see if he can run a pick and roll. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't count on either one of them, especially with Pondexter having, you know, not played in so long. Um, uh, that's definitely a situation where I'm not going to believe it until I see him on the floor for weeks at a time. Uh, it's kind of the way I felt really about Drew, uh, I think maybe two years ago or a year ago, um, where, you know, I wanted to see him on the floor for 70 plus games or something. I think he played, um, most of the season, most of the season last year, um, which was great to see, but at the same time before that season, I wouldn't have bet on it. Um, you know, at this point it'd be like betting on the Spurs to not win, you know, 50 games or LeBron to not get to the. NBA finals. Um, so we just, we just have to see it this year, but is, is the, is the next wing somewhere out there in the ether? Um, maybe, but don't they have money problems? Yeah, they absolutely do. Um, stretching Ashik and possibly dumping coupon salary or agents salary seem like the, the, the likeliest targets to, to free up some of that space. And 
and chase somebody like, I don't know, a, a Luke Babbitt or a Mike Dunleavy Jr. I, I wanted to touch upon uh, your your uh, calling of arms to our European fans. And apparently we do have some because according to our statistics, 89% of our listeners are from America, almost 3% from Australia, over 1.5% from the United Kingdom, 0.7% from Germany, and 0.6% from Papua New Guinea. So hello, hey. all of our uh, international listeners. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm very surprised that you're apparently uh, New Orleans Pelicans fans <laughs> of all teams. But uh, if you are out there watching Darius Miller in Euro League basketball, Please uh, hit us up at Preston Ellis or at Trabeta and uh, <laughs> let us know your experiences watching Darius Miller play. But back to Solomon Hill and uh, some of these lineups uh, to, to briefly touch upon the Ian Clark edition. This is a very interesting roster. It's very athletic and it's it's a lot of energy. You've got a lot of guys who uh, try hard, uh, as we say, but you're we're very guard heavy. We're very unproven at small forward, and we've got question marks behind uh, behind um, AD and Boogie. I can't believe I can't remember our superstars' names. So it's it's going to be difficult for us to figure out immediately who's going to come off the bench. Now, we've had some guys like Kumar and myself who love a pairing of uh, Rajon Rondo and uh, AD off the bench and Boogie and Drew Holiday being paired at all times just because they, they match up well. Uh, AD is not... Uh, as adept at passing as Boogie is, so it seems more likely to pair him with Rondo, and it seems uh, more likely to pair Drew Holiday, who can play off ball with DeMarcus Cousins off the bench in those lineups. But then we're going to have to figure out how to facilitate players around them, the Etwan Moores, the, the Jordan Crawfords, and the Ian Clarks, who all do kind of the same stuff. So it will be very interesting to see uh, what Darius Miller can hopefully bring to the table. Travis, I've got a fun one for you now. Be careful what you say here. Because okay. on the tragedy of Graham McQueen, who, if you guys don't know, he challenged Solomon Hill. And Solomon Hill tweeted at him saying, you're wasting your time. And I wasted my time typing this reply to you. So with that in mind, uh, <laughs> we, we love you, Solomon Hill, and we believe in you. I know you're listening. With that being said, I want to read to you some of Solo's most recent tweets. Now, he said, the difference between who you are and what you want to be is what you do. He said, don't let someone who gave up on their goal talk you out of yours. He said, change the plan up, but never the goal. He said, keep a small circle and avoid drama. He said, best thing you can ever do is believe in you. Travis, is it possible Solomon Hill was genetically created with the DNA of Luke Bamute mixed with a fortune cookie? <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, was, I wasn't even thinking, um, uh, fortune cookie. I was thinking more like those, those little sayings that are on those posters, those inspirational posters that you'll see in, in drab offices across, uh, uh across, uh, suburban America. Um, to me, that's like those things that, you know, the goal that you strive for. That's also another thing that LeBron does a lot of. So I thought maybe LeBron hacked his account for a little while. Cause LeBron will also sort of uh, be hinting at some uh, at some real world drama with whatever it is that he wants to say on social media. So that's that's pretty good, man. I can't believe. So what I like about the put down of Graham was that you have to, you know, like the best put downs are when you sort of self deprecate yourself. Like you say, 
God, I was an idiot for even responding to you because you're not you're so below me that like I can't even I can't believe that I like corresponded with you. I can't believe I'm even typing this right now. So I really like that one. That was that was pretty good. I wonder if he's a Game of Thrones fan because it felt eerily similar to something that Cersei Lannister would have said to uh, to yeah. one of the King's Landing folk beneath her her feet. But you know, when when you were talking about the posters and the inspirational quotes living on the posters, I had this idea, and uh, it's filling me with glee. Why aren't they selling uh, motivational calendars with Solomon Hill quotes and pictures of him inside the Smoothie King Center? What do you think? Sure, I love it. You I love match it, so it up with a bobblehead, and then you and then you um you hit a little button on the bobblehead, and he and you hear him say one of those lines. Oh my god! You that? hit it, and then you don't let someone who gave up on their goal talk you out of yours. I love it. I love yeah. it. We if, if any of our listeners want to put this together, I will definitely give twenty dollars <laughs> to a Solomon Hill motivational quote poster uh, poster book. For now, Travis Tate, thank you so much. Entertaining and insightful as always. Uh, We might have to make this a weekly thing. Having you on here is pretty fun. Thank you for all of your Solomon Hill knowledge. And for all of our listeners, make sure that you check out Mason Ginsburg's interview yesterday. We also just did an interview with Christian Rivas on Ian Clark. And tomorrow we are bringing on old man Ali Cassell and his partner in crime, Kevin Varias. So look for that. Also, Ali's got a great article on the site right now. New Orleans Pelicans offseason moves are inadequate in eyes of many on the national level. So make sure you go over there and check that out. My name is Preston Ellis. This is Travis Tate. Travis, tell us a little bit about yourself. What have you got coming up? Are you writing anything right now? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm doing stuff with uh, my work and my, and my wife's work. But like I mentioned last time I was on, I'll probably um... – be doing something as soon as they do the schedule release but i'm not sure when that's going to be that so that's my only big plan that i've got coming up pelicans wise i did want to say thanks again to you preston for putting this podcast together and we got to say big ups to papua new guinea i mean i just had no idea that they were such big fans there so glad to have them on and uh would like to hear what they have to say on twitter I, I hope we're saying that right. I just finished uh, watching Glow on Netflix with my fiance, and there's this funny clip where there's this hostage situation situation in Beirut, and they keep saying, uh, oh, I think they've got the hostages in Beirut. I think they're all in Beirut. <laughs> One girl who clearly is from around that region says, can you guys just please stop saying that aloud? And I, I think that's what you and I are doing right now. And, and Some, Well, it's something New Guinea, right? I mean, it's either Papua or Papua. That's that's enough. Stop right there. We I'll sound say more New Guinea. P New Guinea. <laughs> Ollie is going to come on here and strip this podcast away Gosh, from us, and we'll never Sorry, have Ollie. To see again. <laughs> all right, Travis. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners again. If you have a moment, please do us a favor. Go on iTunes. Uh, hit subscribe. Retweet this. Send us some questions. Every little thing you do counts. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it is very important uh, as to getting our podcast noticed. The more notice we get the more podcasts we can deliver to you, the higher profile guests. You don't want us having Travis Tate on here, for God's sakes, every week. Uh, (laughs) No more. (laughs) So uh, thank you, guys. Uh, uh, Tune back in for Ali and Kevin tomorrow. And uh, yeah, let's go, Pels. You want to say goodbye, Travis? Bye, Travis. Oh, good grief.
And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.